Okay, everybody, did you bring your Bible today? Okay, let's get it out and go over to Jeremiah chapter 32. What's your website, Chad? Is it share5.org? If you want to check out and see more of what they do, share5, the, the number 5, not the spelling of 5, dot O-R-G. All right, check that out. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thanks for this opportunity today to study your word. We look to you for, for wisdom from above, for revelation and understanding of truth that makes us free. Lord, give each one, I pray, eyes to see and ears to hear, hearts that are open and receptive. And thank you for answers today, for instruction and righteousness, that we may be thoroughly furnished and equipped for every good work and prepared for the Master's use. We give you all thanks for this today in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, everybody, we started a series last week called Faith for Finances. You ready for some more of that today? Faith for Finances. I've been seeking the Lord and continue to seek the Lord um, for each of these messages. And I want you to, uh, to be in faith with me. In other words, you're not just looking to uh, the limitations of my mind, uh, because there are limitations in my mind, uh, but to the limitless possibilities of what can happen when we look to Him. All right, and I'm talking about understanding here today. Uh, it's my desire and my heart to help people who are struggling financially. And I know uh, in our world today, in our country today, a lot of people are. And uh, and the Lord wants to bring you up, wants to bring you out. Praise the Lord. And uh, and if you're among those who are not, you're you're flourishing and prospering and doing well in the midst of uh, times when other people aren't. Uh, this message has your name on it too. Okay, you'll see that as we go, but I want you to be looking to the Lord, I mean, draw upon Him so that the wisdom of God is revealed to us today. We can have more than a natural meeting, all right? You, if we just spend a lot of time looking around in my head for, for answers, <laughs> we're limited, I'm just telling you. I know some things from the Word that'll help, I definitely do, I don't minimize that, but I know this, I don't know everything that's happening in every person's life. And I don't know what's going on. I don't know what you've prayed today. I don't know what your, your prayer has been this week. But the Lord heard you. Do you know that? This is one of the places that he'll often bring answers and often bring solutions. And, and all of a sudden, eyes open. All of a sudden, I see it. Have you ever had that? I mean, I've had that a number of times in services. Sometimes the, the, the minister is saying one thing, and all of a sudden, I see it. And it's not exactly what he said, but I, I, I see what the Lord wants to do. Amen. And I'm believing that for you here today, that I, your eyes will be open. Let's look at Jeremiah, again, 32, verse 17, says, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. Let's say that out loud. There is nothing too hard for you. Say it again. There is nothing too hard for you. For you, one more time. There is nothing too hard for you. You believe that today? Hey, I tell you what, God can do anything. There's nothing out of His reach. There's nothing too difficult. Nothing He sweats over. Nothing He gets nervous about. There is no financial problem and debt that a person has dug themselves into that the Lord does not know the solution to and does not have the supply to get them out. Amen. Let's look down at verse 27, 32, 27. 
Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? What's the answer to that question? No, there is not. Now listen, let's get real practical with this. If nothing is too difficult or too hard for the Lord, does that mean that, let's say someone's in in construction and there are no houses being built, can the Lord meet that person's need and exceed the need? Is that possible? Yeah. How many understand? I think we know the right answer, but let's think about it. it you know, if someone is in... Uh, is in banking, they're writing loans, but no one's borrowing. Is the Lord able to finance that person? That banker, not the borrower is what I'm talking about. <laughs> Absolutely. If, if you're in, a, in, a, in an industry or you're working for a company and salaries are frozen, does that mean your salary is frozen? No. It does not. If, if, if there are layoffs, if there are, does that mean you're in trouble? If you've gotten notice that in three weeks your job is gone, are you in trouble? No. no. Not if we're looking to Him. Amen. And that's why we're talking about faith for finances. It's not something that you don't have the ability to do. It's like we talked about last week. It's primarily a matter of focus. Where are we looking to? What are we looking at for our supply? And too often we look to people. We make the job the source of our life. And if it's not coming from there, we're pulling out our hair. I don't know what in the world we're going to do. I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to believe God. We're going to believe exactly what these scriptures says. These scriptures say in that He can do anything. He is not limited to the scope of what's happening in our economy. He is not limited by any means. It is not more difficult today to finance your life than it was five years ago. Zero, not, not any more difficult at all. It is just as easy for him to prosper you in the, if you were living in a third world, you know, poverty all around you type of place as it is if you were living in the midst of uh, uh, wealth all around you. It's no more difficult for him. He's God. And if we never have the response to him like uh, Jeremiah did where he started the verse off here, and he said, ah, maybe it's more like, oh, wow, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power. There's nothing too difficult for you. If you have never caught yourself thinking about God in his awesome and amazing ability and caught yourself taking a breath, then you haven't gotten a picture of the magnitude of what he's able to do. If you've never t- been taken back, if you stack up bills and go, ah, bills, <laughs> you are amazing. <laughs> Listen, things are out of perspective. We've gotten our eye off the ball. We've gotten our focus and we've magnified problems and minimized God. And what we want to do is stir ourselves up in just the opposite. Go over to Romans chapter 4 while I'm talking. We began to uh, share with you uh, as well last week about magnifying the Lord and, and how we're not making the Lord any bigger by magnifying Him. 
But what we're doing is getting a proper perspective of who he really is. I tell you what, there is nothing too difficult for him. There is nothing in your life that is out of, out of his reach. You have not messed things up so bad that he is not capable and have the wisdom and power to turn things around. And again, some of this, in order for us to get in ourselves in position to receive that from Him, is simply magnifying Him. He's already big, but He gets bigger in our mind. And all of a sudden, our problems seem puny. Amen? All of a sudden, the things around us seem small. We get the idea like when Jesus said that, that uh, uh, or the Scripture says about Jesus, that He cast out spirits with the finger of God. What's that picture? The devil's a, a wimp. He's small. These, these problems that people are so overcome with in relationship to God, they are nothing. They are puny. And this is where we've got to have the right mindset that is in accordance with that. And when we do, I tell you what, you don't have to ask yourself, do I have enough faith for this? You look at God long enough, your faith is a, is a giant. And if it only takes a mustard seed, I think we're good to go. Hmm? But you stare at him, wow, this is amazing, this is easy, I'm not worried about this, I'm not in fear of my life, I'm not concerned about tomorrow, but if I look at, if I look just real narrow, look at, the, look at the problem, look at what I don't have, look at what I don't know, look at what I can't do, all of a sudden God becomes small in my mind. Romans chapter 4, is that where you're at? Yep. Good. Talking about Abraham here and his... Uh, his believing God, it says in verse 20, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, wasn't going back and forth, but was strengthened in faith. How, was he to, how did he do that? It says, giving glory to God. That goes back to magnifying the Lord again. I'm, I'm overweighting God and I'm underweighting my problem. I'm giving him all the rightful place and, and, uh, and position and power that he deserves and I'm calling uh, a lack, I'm calling a, a, a bill, I'm calling a mortgage, I'm calling a lost job, I'm calling it nothing. But I'm glorifying Him. What does that do? Again, man, I can handle this. This is no big deal. With the Lord and I, nothing's too difficult. Amen? If God be for us, who can be against us? It said, give, said giving glory to God, verse 21, and being fully convinced that what He had promised, He was also able to perform. Notice the language. Abraham became fully convinced in the ability of God. In the ability of God. He was, his mind was saturated in God can do it. God can do it. I tell you what, I, I believe it's a good habit and a practice for us to live that way. Reminding ourselves of how big he is. Of how capable he is. Because again, we look and we get counsel from others and they say, you're, you're in trouble. <laughs> there's no way you've really messed it up this time. You are toast. You, uh, it, you know, there's no way out of this. Not when we look at him. All of a sudden, everything becomes possible. Praise the Lord. Someone said, well, I, you know, I'm in agreement with, it, with that. I understand. And I don't doubt that God can do it. I'm just wondering if he will. You don't know the Lord like I know him. If you have to ask that question. First of all, you can see that it's already covered in the promise here. The promise is the will. But li listen, do we really think that God is going to tell us? You know what? I could fix your problem in a snap. I can take care of it without even, without even sweating. But you're on your own. <laughs> I mean, we would really, really have scriptures about the magnitude and awesome ability of God. And he says, but for me to do it for you, that's a whole nother thing. I mean, why bother telling me about what you can do if you're not willing to do it? 
And I'm telling you, God's not that way. Go back with me to Second Chronicles this morning. Second Chronicles chapter 16. And, uh, and let, let me share a few things with you about, about trusting God and about, uh, about making Him the source of your supply. Again, I, I don't believe that we should look at anyone, any job, any person as being our source. Everybody listening. God does use many avenues, many vehicles to get finances into your life. But I never want to make a person I know that has money. I never want to take, I never want to make job security, anything like that, the source uh, uh, or put all my trust in that. Uh, because I'm telling you, whatever people tell you, it's subject to change. Hmm. It really is. I mean, just a couple years ago, with you know, with how with how the um, with the housing market stuff, how things were just cruising so high and th- things were re- rising so fast, uh, people weren't being a lot of people who were selling and 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 doing all this stuff. They weren't being dishonest in sell. If you bought a home, let's say at the top of the market, and you paid top dollar for it, was someone being dishonest with you? No, they're just, they just didn't know. I mean, people didn't know it was going to go bing and that your house might be worth 30, 40% less, you know, in, 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 in a year. But even honest people, they don't know what's coming tomorrow. Those predicting uh, economic recoveries, I hope they're right, but they don't know. And I don't know if this sounds negative. I don't mean to be that way. But, you know, concerning the, the time in which we live, terrorism and all that stuff, how many understand we could be hit? And that could really affect things. Just like that. A lot of things can happen. All I know is this. God doesn't change. And I've really got to learn, if I haven't, made it a habit and a practice in my life, I've got to learn that He is the one I rely upon. He is the source of my supply. Because if I haven't learned that while I'm able to learn that, it's going to be forced upon me (laughs) at some point. I'm going to have an opportunity to say, Lord, it's you or I don't know what I'm going to do. And maybe you're there now, but praise God, He's merciful and kind. 2 Chronicles 16 Let's read verse 9, 16, 9, says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. What is the Lord wanting to do? He wants to show himself strong in people's lives. But notice the process that's happening here. He has to look for someone he can do that in. He does not just finding the first person walking down the street, I'm going to show myself strong in your life. No, he's looking back and forth. He's scanning the earth. He's looking to and fro to find someone. It appears that there's not a whole lot. But he's looking because it's his character and very nature. He wants to show himself strong in someone's life. He's not looking to and fro to find someone he can beat down. 
find someone he can really mess up. Find someone he can play with a little bit. No, no, no. He, he wants to show himself strong in people's lives. And so he's looking for the opportunity. Again, notice what's happening. If it were, some think, well, if he's God, he can just do it for everybody, can he? Apparently not, can he? Apparently he can't do that. But he is looking for an opportunity to get into someone's life and show himself strong, to show himself God in their life. What, what was the key here? He said he's looking for a heart that's loyal to him. I think that sometimes can trip us up just by reading that verse all by itself because many, if not most or all of us, would consider ourselves loyal to the Lord or we might say committed to the Lord. We're, not, we're, we're faithful to the Lord. But I, I think we need to look at the context here to understand what that really means when he said he's looking for a certain type of person to show himself strong. Because if I can position myself as that kind of person, I'm going to live in the strength of God. Amen. I'm going to live in the ability of God manifest in my life. Now, now, now let's go back to verse 1, 2 Chronicles 16 and 1. It says, in the 36th year of the reign of Asa, Baasha, king of Israel, came up against Judah and built Ramah that he might let none go out or come in to Asa, king of Judah. Then Asa brought silver and gold from the treasuries of the house of the Lord and of the king's house and sent to Behadad, king of Syria, who dwelt in Damascus, saying, Let there be a treaty between you and me, as there was between my father and your father. See, I have sent you silver and gold. Come, break your treaty with Baasha, king of Israel, so that he will withdraw from me. So Ben-Hadad king, uh, heeded king Asa and sent the captains of his armies against the cities of Israel, and they tacked attacked Ijon, Dan, Abel, Maim, and the storage cities of Naphtali. Got those names down? Good. Now it happened when Baasha heard it that he stopped building Ramah and ceased his work. Then King Asa took all Judah and they carried away the stones and timber of Ramah which Baasha used for for, uh, building. And with them he built Geba and Mizpah. Everybody say Mizpah. All right, you don't have to remember that though. And at the same time, Hanani, the seer, seer is a prophet, uh, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you have relied on the king of Syria and have not what relied on the Lord your God, therefore the army of the king of Syria has escaped from your hand. Notice what the issue here is. It is reliance upon the Lord, or it is reliance upon man upon some natural thing, in this case, the king of Syria. He said, were the Ethiopians and the Lubim not a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. So he pointed to a past experience. Apparently Asa had a previous record of reliance on the Lord, but this situation came up and maybe it seemed too big for him. Whatever. Maybe he got his eye off the ball. But all of a sudden he said, I need help on this one. Not the Lord's help. I've got to elicit the help of man. And God wasn't happy with that. 
He said, because of this, you're going to miss out on something. It is called relying on the Lord. Then the very next verse is the verse we already read. The person that the Lord is looking for, the loyal-hearted person, is the person who relies on Him for their deliverance, their sustenance, their, their, their safety, their protection, everything they need in their life. That is a person that the Lord considers to be of a loyal heart. Amen. And it might not seem like a big deal to us at times when every time we get in trouble, we call a rich uncle. Hey, can I borrow some money? We might think, well, you know, what's the big deal? Every time we get in trouble, we look to, a, whether it's financial or other, we look to a natural source. We're always running to another person for help. But we need to understand that that's not the way the Lord wants to relate to you. He, he wants us to learn how and become um, proficient in turning to Him when we, are, when we are without strength or we are without an answer, we are without the ability to overcome something. He wants us to look to Him. That doesn't mean God won't use people. It doesn't mean that because the Lord uses people all day long. So we minister one to another. But where are we looking? Where is our focus? The loyal heart says each and every day, Lord, I rely upon you. I don't make my job the source. I don't make this uh, uh, fixed income in my life the source or what I rely upon. It's you. You can do exceeding abundantly above all I could ever ask or think. And let's go ahead and read uh, verse 10. We read verse 9 at the beginning, so skip down to 10. It says, Then Asa was very angry with the seer. Now, how much sense does that make? You don't like what God says, so get angry at the prophet. Get, get, get mad, shoot the messenger. I've experienced that at times. Oh, pastor, that was just so for me. Man, that was so that was so anointed. That was just all over. That was just right up. That was just right there for me until the message is different and it's one that corrects or one that they don't agree with. And uh, I can't believe he said that. Can't believe. All of a sudden, it's not God anymore. All of a sudden, it's just a person. Watch it now. It says, and he put him in prison and was enraged at him because of this. And Asa oppressed some of the people at that time. Now, go down verse 12. In the 39th year of his reign, Asa became diseased in his feet, and his malady was severe. Yet in his disease, what did he do? He did not seek the Lord, but the physicians. In verse 13, he died. So Asa... Asa got into a habit in his life. Uh, you know, he was a good king. He's not considered an evil king, but he got his focus wrong. And there were some things that he faced, whether it's armies attacking him or his own physical condition, where he immediately would look to man for the solution. And the Lord said, that's not the person I can show myself strong in their life. It is not. And it eventually cost him his life because he had health problems and he immediately just looked to the natural again. The Lord didn't say the physician was bad. I mean, Luke got to write one of the Bibles, Bible books, right? <laughs> he was a doctor. Uh, 
but the fact that people just look to natural sources instead of looking to the Lord, that's a problem. One of the reasons it's a problem is because uh, there is no man, there is no person who can always fix it. Whether it's medical, whether it's financial, whether it's a great promise of a, a new job and benefits here and all this, people are limited. People just don't know what tomorrow holds. And when it comes to health, we know that. You know, sometimes people are concerned about those of us who minister and pray for the sick. And they say, well, what if, you know, what if you prayed for someone and they died? Listen, people are dying in the hospital all day long. <laughs> we, we act like you're going to do, if you go to the natural side, it always works. And if you go to the spiritual side, what well, it might not. How dumb is that? <laughs> Let's get in the habit of looking to the Lord for everything. God considers that person to be one of a loyal heart. Now, now go back to Genesis 22. Genesis chapter 22. You might recall uh, that last time we were talking to you a little bit about Abraham and about how, how the Lord was revealed as Jehovah Jireh. Remember that? He, he, the Jehovah Jireh is our provider, or really, literally, the one who sees, the one who sees ahead to provide. And, and in that passage, of course, when he was told to offer Isaac and the angel stopped him, and, and then he found the ram in the thicket, and that was the provision uh, for his life. I want to read here right after the place where we stopped last week and, and pick up in verse 15. It says, Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven, and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. He said, Blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore, and uh, as your descendants, and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because you have obeyed my voice. I want you to notice that language. Because you have obeyed my voice. Now, this is where we can sometimes, I think, mix the whole Bible up into one big ball and not understand what's happening here. Okay? This is prior to the law. It's more similar although not completely, but similar to our day in, in, in what we call, what the Bible calls the, the dispensation of grace, the age of grace, okay? Uh, Abraham's obedience to the Lord was a result of him trusting in what God said. Remember, the Lord gave him a directive to do this, and he trusted that that was the right thing to do. He believed that that was the right thing to do, even to the point where Hebrews reveals to us what Genesis doesn't, that Abraham believed. Well, you get a little picture of that in Genesis. But he believed that if this, if he were to go through with this, that God would raise Isaac back up because he was given to him by him. He knew God to that extent. And he's not just going to take away his kid. He, he knew. He's, he, he's coming back up out of this. And so his trust in what the Lord said to him caused him to act on what God had instructed him to do. And the Lord points here. He said, because of this, 
because you obeyed my voice. This is why my blessing is coming upon you. And we need to understand that whenever God says go, whenever God says do, when he says act, when he, you know, when, I'm, when, I'm, when I use that language, when he says, he says in his word, oftentimes his leading in our lives is more of a, a knowing, a prompting, a peace on the inside. Uh, when he leads us to do something, he is leading us into his provision. Okay, the Lord had already set this thing up with Abraham and told him to go. And in the path that he told him to go on was going to be the provision for what he needed. Everybody with me? All right. If a person chooses to go the other way, that's not where the provision is. Someone said, the Lord's not supplying my need. Well, if I know to go here and I go there, I'm walking away from his provision. I'm not walking into it. But if I know that he's leading me, I know it's there. I know the provision. I know the opportunities. I know the connections. Everything I need in life is going to be there in the way that he's leading me. But sometimes I think uh, we understand that. But if we go too far with that, I, I know people can get tripped up in this in their mind. Because they can look at their own selves their own lives and look back maybe a week ago, (laughs) maybe years ago, and recognize where they've missed it. And they know, okay, I agree with that, but this is not exactly stirring my faith. This is hindering my faith right now because I know I'm not where the Lord led me to go years ago. Or I've made mistakes or I've got off the path and I'm kind of out here in no man's land. What am I to do? Is my provision here or is it far away from me? And if it's not here, you see how that can hinder someone's faith. This is where it's good to know the Lord. (laughs) Not just the book, not just the Bible, but know Him. He is merciful and He relates to us based on the finished work of Jesus. Thank God for that. And listen, I don't take anything away from the importance in my life to do right, to obey, to trust when he says go or stay or act or do. But listen, if I've missed it, because the Lord is so kind and merciful, if he needs to create 50 other ways to get his provision to me, he'll do it. He will absolutely do it. That doesn't mean if he says go, uh, go west and I go east, that that's going to help me. But while I'm over here going east, and I recognize, this is wrong. I missed it. And maybe it's a situation where I can't go back because I blew it. You know what? I look to him. He'll say, take a right. He's always, in his great mercy, providing an opportunity for me to walk into his blessing. He's got more than one cat in the bag. huh? It's not just plan A or B or C, and if you've blown that, you're out. No, if I will look to him, he'll say, I, I, I got something else for you here. I got something else for you to do. I've got something else set up for you to walk into. But then I'm looking for his leading every day. 
I'm looking for His leading and believe that He's leading me into His provision, in His abundance. God in His great love will give us many opportunities to walk in His provision. Don't think for a moment that if you've missed it that it's over and you're now disqualified from ever uh, having God meet your needs and supply your desires in life. Uh, uh, it, it doesn't work that way. Listen, go over with me to Second Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And amen, amen. We need to believe, I mean consciously, let our minds go this way that the Lord is leading us into a place of abundance. If ever a person questions whether God will meet their need, they don't know how much the Lord loves them. Say, well, I don't know that. Well, don't beat yourself up for not knowing it, but listen, i got to tell you today, the Lord loves you more than you can comprehend. I tell you what, He's got your picture in His wallet. Amen. Amen. <laughs> He loves you so much, there's no no way He's going to let you down. There's no way He's not going to come through for you. He loves you too much. You're too important to Him. There's so many ways that we can say that. But the Lord is always there and always faithful to you each and every day. So believe that He's leading you. Amen. Close your eyes with me and say it out loud with me. The Lord is leading me. Each and every day, He guides my steps. He directs my paths. He leads me into His perfect plan. It's a place of fulfillment. It's a place of blessing. It's a wide open space. He's leading me each and every day. Amen. Where's He leading us? Is He leading us into a place of lack and a place of scarcity, a place where we don't know what to do and a place of darkness? Never, never. He's leading us into the fullness and completeness of what He has provided for us through Jesus. I mean, that's just the very reason Jesus came is to give us life and give it more abundantly. And the Lord's not leading us a different direction. He's not leading us into, into destruction and despair. He's leading us into the reality of what He's provided. Let's believe that. Come on, let's, let's have confidence in Him every day. Say, but I've blown it. Join the club. We're not talking to perfect people. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And let's read over here in verse 6. It says, but I say, this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly nor or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful, what? Giver. giver. Now our subject is not primarily giving in this message, but I need to, I need to bring out this point. Uh, we see in the Word of God that there is a direct connection between giving and receiving, right? Don't we see that over and over, the law of sowing and reaping, 
All right. But let's ask this question for a moment. And, and this is one of those questions you have to answer in your mind lest you get it wrong. We don't like to embarrass people at church. What is the beginning of your provision or your prosperity? The beginning of it. The thought, especially when we read a passage like this by itself, the thought is the beginning of my increase or things coming to me is my giving. If I give, then it will come to me. And I'm telling you, that's not true by itself. That is not the complete picture of how God wants to supply your life. It does not begin with you and end with God. Everybody listening? Just like your salvation does not begin with you calling on Him and end with Him saving you. Do you know that's true? Do you know where it began? It began with Him. It began with God's plan to redeem the world, began with Jesus on the cross, and even when we showed up, His Spirit drew us. His Spirit was pulling on our hearts until we one day said, Yes, I surrender, I give up, I give my life to you, and then God finished it up. Amen. Starts with God, ends with God, and we have the choice to respond in the middle. When it comes to our prosperity, it doesn't begin with you giving. You know where it begins? Go back to chapter 8. You know the books of the Bible are not written in chapter and verse. They're written as a letter. And so you don't necessarily break thought when you go from chapter to chapter. In chapter 8, and just again, this is all good for you to read the whole thing and get the context, but uh, look at verse 9. It says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. What is grace? Grace means it's not about me, it's all about Him. It means I didn't earn it, didn't work for it, didn't deserve it. It's not, not credit to me because I was so faithful and diligent on the job. It's not given to me because I was just a hard worker, because I did right in every situation. It's not taken away from me because I fail. It's called grace. It was something that God started, something that He did based upon His goodness and not upon mine. That's just, you know, in a nutshell. He said, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is something now that God is giving to us. He said that, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. This is a redemptive verse, shows Jesus on the cross, taking our poverty and providing us riches. I want you to know that happened well before you gave your offering today. It wasn't your tithe. And we don't take anything away from that. That's, that's a biblical truth. It wasn't your tithe and your offering. Like uh, sometimes it's presented. Man, if you, want to, uh, if you want to get out of debt, you have got to start giving more. Maybe. I can't say that as an exclusive thing, that if you'll just up your offerings, then that's the solution. I tell you what the solution is. It is to know how much God loves you. 
It is to know how much He desires to lift and bring you out. It is to recognize not only His love and His grace toward us, but it is the finished work of the cross that He defeated poverty and lack and all this junk that is a curse in the earth. He destroyed it on our behalf. And when we get that in our hearts, when that dawns upon our minds and our way of thinking, we give out of that. My giving is a response to the effect of grace and prosperity on my heart. And then, yes, the laws of sowing and reaping kick in, but it doesn't. I can't have the mindset, this begins with me. It doesn't. It begins with him who wanted to bless me before I knew I needed blessed. Before I knew I need, knew I even knew I had a problem. He provided a solution. And that's the beginning of this. Amen. It's the Lord now who is leading me into that place of his provision that's already been provided it's already there and so each and every day he's leading now in the process of that is some of that giving yes yes if he says go west young man i go west and i walk into his blessing if he says give yes i'm going to give and that is opening and creating opportunities for things to flood into my life But I've got to understand the basics of the gospel and of the grace of God that He has made provision for everything in my life. My obedience to Him is a response to Him. He's made provision for everything in my life from the time I'm born to the time I die. And this is completely separate from what I do and what I don't do. What is this here to, to help us with? It sets us free from the knowledge that all of us have that we've blown it. And we need to understand that your mistakes of the past do not disqualify you from the blessings of the future. That God's provision is not limited and not uh, being held back because we have some, in some way or some fashion missed the mark. I tell you what, we call upon Him and His great mercy and grace. He makes another way. Oh, yes, he makes another way. You can't tell me, tell me if you look back at Abraham and we see how God was revealed as the provider. Did Abraham do everything right? If you know his life, mm-mm. Now, he became a great man of faith, but that guy had some problems. He had some issues of things that he did wrong at different times, even while the Lord was, was working with him. Amen. Amen. And so these are the things that God wants us to walk in and live in and trust Him for. Praise God. There there is not a person who in here who should not be believing God for something. And when I say that, if I were to ask you the question, we had a one-on-one, and I said, Greg, what do you believe in God for? I think a lot of times we might catch ourselves going, uh, uh, you know, you know, for my needs to be met or, you know. Uh, but what specifically are you believing God for? I would encourage you today to always have something. Not that it will always need to be communicated with somebody else. But we should, there should always be something that we're trusting and believing the Lord to provide. What have you made request of Him? That you haven't seen yet, hasn't shown up yet. What are you? What are you believing him for? Now, if some are in a tight spot, it might be. Huh, I'm believing for a job. I'm believing for 
you know, money for the house payment or things like that. And that's fine. That's good. All right? But if those basic things are taken care of in your life, don't relax. In In this sense where you just let your faith kick back and you're not believing for anything. No, believe for extra. There's something. Of course, we're using our faith for people coming into the kingdom. But our subject here is is finances. We should always be stretching, always be believing for more. Amen. Increase, increase to be a blessing to somebody else. Amen. Didn't Jesus live that way? Jesus had a treasure, didn't he? (laughs) That means he had too much. It wasn't spend every penny, feed the disciples and stuff. Take care of them, spend every penny, and, and, then, and then we're done for the day out. No, he had, a, he had extra funds coming in. That's, how he, that's why he was able to give to the poor and why Judas was able to steal from the bag and him, nobody notice. If there's only a couple bucks in there, you notice. Right? And there must have been a bunch. That's just extra stuff. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. But the Lord wants us to keep in mind His great ability, His ability to work in any situation, no matter what it is. And know that your, your life and your mistakes, we don't minimize it. I don't want to make mistakes. I've got to eventually act on what the Lord tells me to do. To walk into, to come into what He's provided. But I'm not going to let the mistakes of my past and the times I've missed it, or maybe missed it because I didn't, I wasn't spiritual enough to see God, to find out what He wanted, and I was just doing my own thing, and things weren't working. Okay, the past is the past. God's still on the throne. He still loves me the same as He did yesterday. I'm still not in me. I'm in Christ, and old things have passed away, and all things have become new. He loves me more than I can comprehend, and He's leading me today into an abundant future. Praise God. Let's keep our eyes on Him today. Amen. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness, for your blessing in our lives, for your increase that comes to every, every person. We believe that you've made provision through the cross of, of the Lord Jesus Christ, through your work of redemption, to take care of us for all of our days here upon the earth so we can do what you've called us to do, be a bright representation of Jesus in the earth. And I thank you that you're helping us those who are struggling you're revealing and showing them which way they should go opportunities to pursue doors to walk through you're leading them in the way they should go directing their steps thank you for your help thank you that your mercy is available and your grace to help in time of need is available for all as we come boldly to the throne of grace Lord thank you for working in every heart today for doing a supernatural thing in every life what a good God you are Father I pray for those who've come to church today that have never been born again